Every life tells a story, and through every life, an even greater story is being told. Today, we're going to talk to Deanna Cheadle. She's one of many voices of faith. Voices of Faith. My name is Mark Matsky. I'm your host, and it's my pleasure to have with us today Deanna Cheadle, who's been a deaconess in the Lutheran Church for about eight years. She's a mom and a grandmother, loves living in the country, and I won't say anything else besides that except to say welcome to Voices of Faith. Thank you. As we get started, would you just sketch out for us what a deaconess does? for anyone who might not have any idea what that title indicates? Uh, A deaconess is generally engaged in teaching the faith, um, in works of mercy, and in spiritual care. For those old enough to know what a supermom is, I see being a deaconess as like being a supermom on steroids (laughs) for the church. In a sense, it's the flip side of being a pastor. It's, It's being church responding to those gifts that God gives us in word and sacrament. What drew you to the, the deaconess office? In... Um, well, I didn't know what a deaconess was for a long time. Uh, I saw a description of uh, what a deaconess did on a bulletin board one Sunday morning when um, I stepped out of the service for a few minutes to look after one of the kids. And I thought, oh, that sounds like what I do all the time. Wouldn't it be awesome to, to have that as a job? And then I put it on the back burner and didn't think of it uh, again for about five or six years. And at that point, it just started nagging in the back of my mind, but it meant going away to school. And I couldn't see that ever happening in the life I had at the time. Married, two kids, all growing up, living in a small town, And then things changed. My husband uh, was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer, and we had another year and a half after that diagnosis. And near the end of his life, we were sitting together, and he said, you know, you should be a deaconess. And I said, yeah, I know. And he encouraged me to get right out there, you know, and finish my bachelor's degree and and um, go off to school. And I took a little bit slower pace, um, took about a year off to spend some time grieving. And um, when I felt like I was ready to deal with all the things that would come up, I went back to school, finished my bachelor's degree. It took me 25 years from start to finish. Wow. <laughs> uh, and my daughters were in school with me the last time. So uh, went to classes together and um, finished my bachelor's degree and then went off to Concordia University Chicago now uh, and entered the Deaconess Colloquy program. That all took about 10 years. My pastor at the time, uh, Al Wolka, 
asked me what was holding me back. And I said, well, I'll be 47, 48 when I graduate that, you know, that's kind of old. And he said, well, won't you be 47, 48 anyway? (laughs) And this way you'd be doing something that you like. Yeah. Um, And that did make sense. It it does. (laughs) There's a real logic to that, isn't there? Yes, there there is. So, um, so that's where I'm at. All right. Fantastic. Um, In that you hear a real sense of calling, uh, nagging in the back of your head is, I think, a a real clear way of describing what a lot of people sense when they know that God is reaching out to them to either follow him in the first place or do more Mm -hmm. in in terms of discipleship. I'd like to go back in time a little bit more. Can you talk a little bit about your upbringing and how that gave you a sense of who God is and you know, the, the formative stages, if you will. When I was born, my dad was military. And so not long afterward, not long after I was born, my mom and I moved back in with her parents because he was on a a station in Greenland, I think it was. And um, so I spent a lot of time with my grandparents who were Lutheran. And when I was six months old, Easter Sunday, they took me for baptism. That, something I don't remember, but, and and for a long time didn't know had happened. But I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. My mom was working too. And my grandfather knew he was dying. He had had uh, several major heart attacks. And the doctor had said he had three years and he was going on 10. So he figured he was on borrowed time. And he wanted me to know what was going to happen when he died. So he... The time I spent with him, we talked about these things. Uh, He told me about heaven. Uh, He told me what he had read in the scriptures and what to expect and so that I'd be ready for him to go away. Mm -hmm. And I remember when my mom came to me and told me that he had died, how happy for him I was. Uh, Then my life changed dramatically. My dad came back. There were a couple of duty assignments there where he was gone. Came back. Mom needed some space from her parents. uh, Well, from her mom. And um, he took a duty assignment in Anchorage, Alaska, 3,000 miles away from my grandmother. uh, And 3,000 miles away from church. And when I asked repeatedly... When can we go to church? When can we go to church? Um, I was told, we're, he said, I'll take you. And I think it was about four at this point. He said, I'll take you. I'll drop you off. I won't go in that place because there's nothing there for me. Wow. Um, My mom at the time was also not a Christian. And it was, was an interesting, looking back, an interesting 10 years all of that time, almost all of that time away from my grandmother, going with friends to churches and knowing this is what I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't a lot of Lutheran churches in Alaska where we were. Uh, and I didn't know I was looking for a Lutheran church. I didn't know that that was my context. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, I'd go places with friends, I'd you know, spend the night and we'd go to church the next day and 
it just wasn't it wasn't right and but i but through that the lord still continued to teach me and to be with me in a way that i didn't understand i just knew he was there and and i was looking for where here mm-hmm. and that was all throughout all, that all, all throughout 10 year that period yeah. okay and then we moved back to ohio where my grandmother lived actually moved back in to um, her home um, that she had remodeled for us to to live comfortably with her. They, since we'd been gone, they built a Baptist Southern Baptist church next door. I became friends with the pastor's daughter, and she invited me to a youth event. And um, I liked the fact that they were um, reading the scriptures. That was news to me. And um, so I I started doing a lot of reading. I just couldn't, I mean, voraciously, um, couldn't get enough. And and then I would go to the pastor and I'd ask questions. And he would send me to the scriptures for the answers. And then I'd go back to him often and say, I think you sent me to the wrong place because I read what you told me to read and I read all around it. And that really wasn't my question. (laughs) And um, and he thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and after about two years, invited he invited me to, to be baptized. And I was talking about it with my mom and still no clue that I had ever been baptized. Um, it wasn't in my memory. It, I, I guess my grandmother thought I already knew. But I couldn't quite reconcile some of the things that the pastor was teaching that didn't make sense when I read the scriptures. Hmm. So I, I was holding back. And I was uh, 17, and a friend invited me to stay over. Her parents were having a Christmas party, and they needed somebody to serve. And so she was allowed to invite a friend over, and we were going to serve orders and, and beverages and then crash and uh, we were going to go to church the next day. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I've never been to Lutheran church. That'll be kind of interesting. Hmm. Walked in the next day and I was home. I knew the liturgy and I didn't know why, but I knew what was coming next. And, and all of those faint memories from when I was a little girl came back. And I went home. I remember walking into the kitchen and my mom was there. And I said, I just went to the most awesome place. I finally found church. And my grandmother walked in and she said, well, you were baptized in Lutheran church. And I was. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you know, I, I just, I can't express how right. excited I was. Yeah. That I was finally home. That became my my congregation that became my home church. They were ALC, mm-hmm. um, American Lutheran Church. I I met the man who, who was going to be my husband about a year later. Um, coincidentally, he was a member of that church, but I didn't meet him at church. He was no kidding. He was um, working. Well, he was going to school and working on his degree, and so wasn't there very often. And. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being the church we were married in years later and and the church where our first child was baptized. Mm-hmm. And uh, What they, is the name of the church? Peace. Peace? Peace Lutheran okay. Church. Okay. Yeah. 
Just curious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I I was originally baptized at Faith Lutheran Church in Dayton, mm -hmm. and then married and um, confirmed in at uh, Peace Lutheran Church in Beaver Creek. All right. So. Well, that's a, a incredible story, really, of God continuing to to call out to you through His Word in oh, the different places where you were. Yeah. But then, when you found found spiritual home. Yeah. There it was. It was. It was obvious to you. Yeah. It, there were so many beautiful ways that he taught me within the limited scope that I was of, of being around church, even that that ten year period. I remember living in Alabama, and we were invited to um, an Easter celebration with some neighbors, and. One of the things they were trying to teach all of the children was the 23rd Psalm. And so they went over it three or four times um, as we were there in a group. And there were hundreds of kids at this little uh, Easter egg hunt and Easter celebration. And I remember laying in my bed night after night and the Lord bringing those words back to me until they, until I, they were memorized. Mm -hmm. So those were, uh, yeah, there were times like that in that dry spell where he taught me with whatever means were available. Um, you had mentioned before, you know, the, the diagnosis that your husband received. And uh, I would imagine that would be one of the, the real pivotal moments uh, from a, a faith standpoint where you were putting all your weight on Christ to help you oh, through. Absolutely. In addition to that, or if you want to say anything more about that, please feel free. But what are some other times where you have um, just laid all of, you know, found your rest in Christ because all the circumstances are seem to close in on you? Um, well, I mean, that, that really was. I the, the initial diagnosis was difficult. It was um, a week after my husband turned 40. He was preparing for admission to the seminary at that point. Everything seemed to be going well and not somebody that went to the hospital or went to the doctor. And I remember that first night my daughter had had the car and she had uh, put in a, um, a cassette tape um, that she had recorded of some country music, not my favorite music style at the time. And, and there was a song in there by Garth Brooks, who I understand is also a Lutheran. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> and the song is, uh, it's called Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. And it's about being young and in love and foolish and staying out all night together and, and coming in. And it doesn't matter what kind of trouble you're in. Well, if you play that song three times, it got me home at midnight. Mm. Um, it it helped me at the time kind of blank out all the things I was scared about. But in a sense, it was also prophetic. And I didn't know that at the time. For some reason, that the words in that song gave me some hope. And I know it's not a Christian song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the Lord uses so many things in our lives that we don't consider Christian to lift us up. And that was one. And, and uh, a year and a half later, the Lord took 
my husband on Easter Sunday. The day that the sun, our sun, his sun rose. Yeah. Um, the day the sun comes. Right. And it it was probably six months later, I, I heard the song again in another context, and I realized how prophetic it had been mm-hmm. and what God meant by those words. Yeah. And it was, we were so blessed during that time. I had a, a wonderful employer who couldn't have done any more than, than they did to, um, to allow us to be together. And then when, um, later in the, in the process when chemotherapy started, I was able to be home with him. Um, and I, I thank the Lord too, that we were, we were a good couple. We were together in a way that, um, you can't see this on a podcast, but mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you link your, your fingers together and you intertwine, then it's hard to pull that kind of relationship apart. And I, I always said I was thankful to the Lord that he gave us a year and a half of knowing so that we could gently separate so that there wasn't a rip or a tear apart. Mm-hmm. And that year and a half was that time. And I watched as, as he and our pastor met um, a couple of times a week to talk about that funeral service. Hmm. Um, uh, we, we just... I was just at a funeral service day before yesterday, and and there's something about the the Lutheran service and how they point to to our resurrection in Christ that is so comforting. So as my husband Steve and and our pastor then Al Walka spoke together and and talked about the faith we have and what and the hope we have in Christ and planned that service so that. Others would know. That was a witness to me. Mm-hmm. And then that first communion. After uh, he he died on Sunday, the funeral was on Wednesday, and so the following Sunday, having communion and being there at table at the table in heaven, as we approach the altar, and knowing that that we were all. Together at the Lord's table. Yeah. The circle's complete at the table. It is. Yeah. That's that's just a profound and wonderful truth that we have uh, to hang on to. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up and going there with me because I know, you know, emotionally it's not easy. Yet at the same time. It's a wonderful comfort. Yeah. It's a wonderful comfort and it, it is our hope. Mm-hmm. He, Christ is our hope, and there's. I've I've unfortunately been to a couple of funerals where that he was not the hope of the the person who had died, and and they're horrible. I agree. I agree. Uh, they're sad. I but have. There's there's such an overwhelming sadness that that can't be comforted. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've been to a guest at. A funeral in a Christian church mm-hmm. where no reference was ever made over a, about a 40, 45 minute service to the resurrection of Jesus. 
And I just left that experience feeling like, as a pastor, reconfirming my uh, commitment that there will never be, ever, any funeral service that I'm a part of where the resurrection of Jesus will not be mentioned. It sounds crazy to say, but then you go to a circumstance, you go to a, a service like that, and the, the absence of that hope is... is oh, it's devastating. Yeah, it's like a punch in the stomach almost. Yeah, it is, and, and praise God that real life isn't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well put. Well, uh, Deanna, I am just curious also to ask, today, right now, what is God doing in your life? Uh, where is where's Christ oh. at in your life today? Um, where isn't he at? I, I am so blessed. Um, I am able to do and serve in ways that I never thought possible, both as a parent, as a grandparent, as a deaconess. It's, it's not just what I do, but who I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, sorry, Pastor uh, uh, Walt Kroger was my first pastor in uh, Chillicothe, and he is currently our uh, the president of the organization that I am called to serve. Mm-hmm. And he once said that I've never not been a deaconess. Hey, mm. <laughs> uh, the first time I heard him say that, I almost laughed out loud because I was so not a deaconess uh-huh. in the sense that I I had so much to learn. I hadn't been in, in the scriptures and, and there was so much I didn't know about God. And I still realize that there's so much I don't sure. know yeah. uh, that he's, that he's told us that I just don't grasp. But what an honor to, to be a servant. What more can you say? Yeah. That's great. I, I thank you very much for agreeing to sit down with me today. And, is there any other things? Because, you know, you never know who is going to ultimately click on the podcast and listen. Uh, you have an opportunity to speak to somebody who may be really searching for something. What would you say to them? Wow. Stop and listen. Because God is right there. Christ is as near as your thoughts. And will never turn away from you. There's a a beautiful reference to him if, if you're a country person as the hound from heaven. Um, he's on your scent and he's not going to let go until mm-hmm. he's got you treed. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly that's who he's been in my life. I felt lost. Not because he didn't know where I was, because I didn't know where he was. But I always knew he was there. And, and certainly... He is. He's there even in the the people who don't know they're serving him, in the the boss that uh, just wants to make a profit, and mm-hmm. in you know in non Christian parents who raise uh, a little girl that wants to serve, yeah, in your children that 
oh, I want to go back to church. <laughs> listen to listen to them and and let him be there. Deanna Cheadle, never not been a deaconess. I thank you for being on the program today. And for those of you who are listening, if you'd like to contact us for any reason, please email me at faithpodcast at outlook.com. Again, that's faithpodcast at outlook.com. Thank you very much for listening today. And remember, weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning.